Welcome in, everybody. Just going to uh, try to get everybody up here on stage. It's good to see so many wonderful avatars out there. We're going to take a minute and let people trickle in. Alt, how are you? I'm doing good, buddy. How are you? Good to see some beautiful faces. Uh, just fine and dandy. Hugo, how are you feeling? Hi, good. Thanks. Nice to be with you. Thank you for organizing this. Timmy, you're up on stage. How are you? Hey, everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm good. Recovering from the uh, the, the festive Christmas and uh, too much food. <laughs> Rather than that, I'm good. And, and thanks for the invite. Okay, still working to get people up here. Oh, Fabian's joined us on stage. How are you, Fabian? Hi, I'm good. This is the kind of the first time I'm doing the Twitter Spaces thing here, so I'm trying to figure out. What's all possible here? Well, you sit back and I'll try to drive the car with alts and hopefully you just <laughs> enjoy the passenger seat. All right. It sounded like we had a little delay there from Fabian. It's actually kind of funny. That's funny, yeah. It's, it's under the magic one on the bottom. I'm just looking for Dan Nolan in the crowd here. I know he had a busy day. I'm not sure if I if I see him down there. Dan, if you're in here, um, just send a request to speak, and we'll get you up on stage. All right. Well, while we're pulling people up on stage and people keep filtering in, uh, I'd like to welcome everybody in to this really kind of special uh, event that we got going on here. Um, this promises to be a pretty interesting discussion on a topic that I think we're all dying to hear more about, and that's the Luxo Network, the myriad of possibilities and projects that that could possibly launch uh, on this new blockchain uh, using the new standards that are being proposed and then also developed actively uh, by Luxo co-founder Fabian Vogelsteller, along with his talented team. Uh, we're lucky enough to have Fabian with us today, as well as um, Hugo from the Luxo team. Um, we also have a few of the developers from 
the Hack Your Profiles Hackathon. Um, we have uh, Timmy and Vincent from the Yields uh, application. We have Jake Prince from Universal Pages. And hopefully we see Dan Nolan from um, the Nomad Protocol. But like I said, he had a pretty busy day. Um, I want to take a moment just to introduce our, the, our hosts up here. Um, I have Alt Anonymous, the inimitable Alt Anonymous up here on stage with me. Uh, Alt, you want to say hi real quick to the audience before we get going? Yeah, just uh, it's so good to see everyone. And thank you all for joining this. And we're just excited to hear more about these projects and kind of where all this space is going. Wonderful. And not he's not a co-host yet, but he will be shortly. Uh, this is Kriegel uh, popping up here. Kriegel, why don't you say hi to the audience? Hey, everyone. Kriegel here. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Really looking forward to this space and hearing more about each of these hackathon projects for the Luxo Network that we know is going to be the future. Yeah, fantastic. And, uh, you know, this is such a metaverse native um, situation. We're all sitting here with avatars or pictures but we're at a Twitter space and I just wanted to, to kind of tell an anecdote real quick. And, and the real genesis of this space where these relationships started is uh, Kriegel and I just kind of went across the bridge of the Oculus one day and uh, we hopped in there, didn't know each other, had never spoken to each other. Uh, we got into Beat Saber. We didn't even play the game. We just stood on the islands and kind of talked and looked at our hands that were disconnected from our bodies and, and joked a whole bunch. Uh, from there, relationship kind of sprouted. We started playing poker uh, with a larger group. Um, Alts was always in there with the bowler hat, taking pictures. You've probably seen him send uh, send those pictures out to to the Twitter Spaces. Um, and a, a nice, wonderful relationship has really kind of bloomed or blossomed between uh, a lot of the people in this space. Um, right now, I think I see a lot of uh, avatars in this space that you know we keep up with on a daily basis because. Let's face it, this is a Luxo-focused um, Twitter space right now, and the Luxo family, our community is, we're small, but we're mighty, and we're rabid. Um, we really support what's going on, and I really feel blessed to have the talented individuals on the stage with us today. So uh, I want to just take a minute just to allow the people on the stage to kind of introduce themselves. And uh, I think the first thing I'll do is, I think we'll start with like Timmy and Vincent, if they uh, wouldn't mind speaking. I know at least Timmy's up here right now. Timmy. Why don't you just take a second, just say hi and uh, let everyone know who you are. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, my name is Tim, Timmy. Um, I guess I could tell you why I'm a, basically a product designer by trade. That's what I, um, I normally do outside of doing this. I'm not actually a developer. Um, I learned um, Svelte um, on a project that Vincent and I um, worked on previously together. And we met a, a company that we worked at prior. Um, and so, yeah, I, I work, actually live and work in Berlin and I work as a product designer for a company there, a, a language learning company there. Um, and, yeah, I, I've personally been following the crypto space for quite a long time now. Um, my brother and I used to had a go at mining a long time ago, <laughs> but sort of failed, unfortunately. Um, so we kept an eye on things and, and Luxo is something that... Um, I've kept an eye for quite a, quite a long time now. Um, and when we saw the hackathon thing came up, Vincent and I had some sort of initial ideas um, that we were playing around with to kind of look at after this um, Chrome extension that we'd sort of made. So I kind of learned Spell to build that. And uh, I think, I'm not sure Vincent is, is requested to speak, but 
um, I think he's listening. Uh, he's, um, he's, I think he's connecting there. <laughs> um, so he's more of the back end. So I, I basically learned Svelte to do all the front end work, basically. So that's how that happened. And, and we had this idea about um, kind of doing something with events because um, we thought kind of a, like the event space was kind of the discovery for event space was kind of bad. Um, and then obviously the natural progression from that was sort of thinking about how ticketing could work as part of events. Um, and that's how we kind of ended up with the sort of this sort of yields MVP prototype thing sort of um, that we came up with. So that was kind of how it happened, basically. I don't know if, if Vincent wants to say any more. Yeah, yeah no, that. Thanks, Tim. Uh, Vincent, welcome up on the stage. I just Thank want to you. get everybody a little sense for who you are, and then we'll dig deeper into your uh, your projects afterwards. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I hope everyone can hear me. <laughs> it's also my first time on the Twitter Spaces. Uh, Here you so loud and clear, brother. Great. Uh, so I'm a software developer. This is my first uh, project in the crypto space. Um, so been learning a lot. Been very exciting to. To learn more about uh, the technical stuff about how all of this this works uh, so yeah i've been working with timmy on the the GILS project and uh i think that, that's about it all right Vincent. well thank you we're going to come back to you in a little bit and we'll let you talk a little bit more about uh the yields project in general uh but from here i want to kick it over to jake prince who's also up here on the stage uh jake contributed the universal pages um entrance and I, while he while jake is talking i'm actually going to pin up the hackathon medium post from luxo so you guys can kind of follow along all right cool so uh great to be here guys um uh, so my name is jake prince and i'm uh, from the netherlands uh front-end developer um, i've been working on a lot of uh, side projects so i really like uh, to learn about new tech and uh, build new stuff and yeah i've been uh following the development of luxo for a while so when there i when I saw about that hackathon, um, yeah, I really wanted to dive in and uh, see how this thing works uh, around Universal Profiles. I was super excited about that. So yeah, uh, super cool uh, to now finally be here uh, and see all the projects that people have built. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so I guess, Jake, you know, we'll give you a chance to talk about Universal Pages in a little bit. Um, I hope you don't mind, Fabian. I'm going to leave you to the last one here. I'm going to give Hugo a chance just to say hi, because Hugo's joined us a number of times. And if you haven't been with us before, you might not have heard Hugo talk. Um, so Hugo, why don't you give us a, just a quick hello? Hi. Yeah, thanks. So again, thank you for organizing this. It's super cool. Um, and so, yeah, I've joined Luxo one and a half year ago, maybe more. And I worked on the back end and uh, the front end systems and the uh, the libs, so ES725, GS, and uh, yeah, so the tools that uh, um, were used for the hackathon, so it was super nice to uh, get in touch with the developers and see how the tools work for them and adapt as well, and also working on the docs, uh, developer docs. So yeah, looking forward for this talk. Thanks. Oh, thanks for joining us. And uh, last but not least, Let's kick it over to Fabian Vogelsteller, uh, Luxo co-founder with his partner, Marjorie Hernandez. Um, and Fabian, a lot of people in the space really kind of know your background. So you can kind of give a maybe just a brief overview. So 
anybody who's just freshly joining catches up to speed. But then I'd love to hear you kind of talk about what were you trying to get out of the hackathon as a whole? Yeah, thanks. Um, I mean, my background is basically uh, in the blockchain space. I have been around since around 2015. Um, I mean, actually since 2013, but actively developing since 2015. Um, and, you know, uh, being part of the Ethereum Foundation, I was the lead DApp developer. You know, we kind of coined up coined this term, DApps. Um, and <clears throat> I built the, the, the Mist browser at the time was the first Web3 browser still actually the first and probably only web three browser really uh, if you have yeah, the full one um and uh build a lot of like developer tools that people use in the space and um yeah erc20 is something that people know me for there was very little work and there was also vitalik's initial draft um ERC 7 to 5 is is a standard that's very heavily going to be used in the future and and, and luxo specifically um, yeah, have been around and kind of like somehow pressed into this you know standardization direction in, in blockchain um, um, yeah this is the kind of high level overview over me there's a lot of more things that happen I was also a DAO curator in the DAO back in the day there was more of a little unwanted attention thing <laughs> uh, yeah sure <laughs> but yeah um, yeah lots of things happened I mean it's, it has been five years six years since 2015 so um now seven almost lots of things happened during the time definitely the ico big cycle now nft cycle there's always a new cycle and i kind of find it interesting to see the space how it's in always uh, it's almost like everybody learns how smart contract works by these kind of new trends that come up and everybody learns more and more and oh it's okay now it can not only be tokens but it can be also things you know art and whatever you know, with DeFi, we all learned that we can combine smart contracts and do complex things that somehow, you know, come out of each other, even though they're developed by other people. Um, it's kind of like a slow learning process. I guess the next piece will be, you know, you can also do social things on top of a blockchain and and it's going to be like this, this creative economy thing and so on. Yeah, lots of more trends to come for everybody to learn, <laughs> let's say. Yeah, so um, I... So, Fabian, I just wanted to interject there real quick because I think you're 100% right when, when you say so many of us learn the power of smart contracts through the use cases that get developed on top of the, you know, the, these blockchains. And until someone expresses the use case, you know, we, we kind of wander around a dark room looking for our ass with two hands. I've used that one before. Um, so that brings us to like that hackathon that you had. Um, what were you hoping to get out of that hackathon? What were you hoping to see? I mean, it was really, um, the most interesting thing is really, well, I mean, the thing is these, these standards, they are new and the tools are also pretty new. So we really wanted to see how well people uh, are able to pick things up with the bare minimum documentation that we had at the time, <laughs> still something, you know, that grows and so on. So how well can people understand these standards pick something up around them and then actually do something really that, that uses this, these profiles as, as a core, even though not all tools are there yet. Uh, and, and it's not the most easy yet to develop because, um, for example, you need a browser extension if you want, if you want to have the easy development on the easy user experience or in the mobile app. So we wanted to see how far, you know, people can get with this already. Um, 
and we were pretty surprised with the the results. Um, I mean, some took it really like uh, deep to try to integrate the whole profile thing and then do interactions with other smart contracts or, you know, issuing tickets. Um, or even if it's just like, you know, making different kind of profile websites like, like Jake did. Um, I think it was really just to see what people come up with. And I mean, there were not a lot of submissions. I think it was, Hugo, correct me if I'm wrong. How many was it? 10, 12? Yeah, uh, nine, nine projects. Uh, very cool Something like this on the end that delivered, yeah. But um, there were a few you know, that were really like more advanced, and there were others that were kind of, you know, trying to get into it and so on. But given that this is a very new topic, that the way of how you do things is far more complex at least for now, from a developer's perspective, you know, you have to understand these new concepts. It's not just, you know, are you MetaMask and there's an address and now do something with smart contracts, but you have to understand the inner workings of these profiles and and then really start to use them. So it's a bit more complex from a developer point of view right now still. It will be far easier. I mean, eventually, when all of the tools are uh, that we're working on uh, being built and for the user it becomes extremely easy because he literally doesn't see the blockchain anymore and for the developers literally exactly the same way how they do the apps right now almost nothing changes so but for that we need a browser extension mobile <laughs> wallets right or mobile we call them universal profile apps um to interact with that yeah fantastic so you know the genesis so this space here is kind of born out of right after you launched uh, right after you announced the winners for the hackathon we came on and we started going through the projects and discussing them and talking about what you're kind of talking about the feeling uh, of, or the desire you had to see what could be built on top of the um, new standards and the documentation that you had issued. And and we were lucky enough that night to talk to Felix Hildebrand um, about Luxotastic and we had Derek from the Nomad Protocol, the product designer on, and he was able to talk a bit. And um, I believe Hugo popped in, but it was very, very late at night because apparently we have an anti-European bias. Uh, not really at all. We just live in America, and I don't think uh, our schedules line up so well with Central European time. Um, but after having that, we thought, you know, it would be really great to pull on um, the developers and or designers from these three projects that you you identified as being really, I, I think, nice examples of primitives that could be built, leveraging some of your new standards. Um, and then, you know, we were lucky enough to kind of coordinate and pull people on. So uh, with that being said, uh, I'm just going to quickly, we just have a new speaker up on stage, Anthony, and I believe Anthony is representing the Nomad Protocol. So Anthony, I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to say who you are, and then we'll pull back and talk about Nomad in a little bit. Yes, thank you. Uh, first of all, uh, Dan sends his regards. He was unfortunately unable to join today, but I'm here in his stead. Uh, for Nomad, it was Dan, Derek, and myself who kind of worked on the project. It was actually a, a really long time coming. Uh, Dan and I have known each other and, and Derek have known each other for a very long time. And uh, Dan is the expert in this field and has had this idea for so long. We've been talking about it and bouncing the idea off of each other and kind of just waiting for a good time to do it. And as everyone knows, there's never a good time to really start a new project when you're so busy with everything else. 
And uh, this hackathon was just kind of the perfect time. You know, we saw this coming. We saw, uh, you know, a blockchain built for the metaverse. You know, what could be more perfect for for a protocol that is built to transfer NFTs across the metaverse? So we really just grasped the opportunity. And uh, Dan and Derek just absolutely crushed it. One of the best developers I've ever worked with, one of the best designers I've ever worked with. And uh, here we are today, hoping to make it a, a reality. All right, Anthony, thank you. We're gonna get back to the Nomad protocol, but I think where I wanna start this discussion, and I think how I'd like to frame this, uh, uh, Hugo and, and Fabian is, I'd like to get the developers to talk a little bit about their project, what they were working on, uh, kind of see what you thought about it, uh, maybe try to facilitate a little bit of a conversation between you and the developer of the project, um, kind of talk about maybe future development directions they might go in, um, maybe composability, um, other smart contract composability suggestions that you might see in there or other primitives you might like to see built. Um, and then on the developer side, uh, I'd love to see here, you know, like Jake and Vincent and Anthony uh, really kind of talk about what kind of challenges or obstacles and then really opportunities you found in building. So I think the I'd love to turn the floor over to Jake Prince, um, who started with Universal Pages. And for those of you in the audience, if you're not familiar with these projects, up at the top, we've pinned the Medium article from Luxo. Uh, you can click in there and you'll be able to go in, um, actually use a primitive uh, for some of these projects. Uh, you'll be able to look at the GitHub repos for many of them. So uh, please actively follow along on your end if you're capable, because I think you'll get more out of this discussion in general. So uh, Jake, why don't you kind of take us through Universal Pages? What did you build? Yeah, sure. Um, so the idea is actually pretty simple, uh, using your universal profile and turning it into your own personal website, uh, with just a couple of clicks. That was basically the goal. Um, and, uh, if you go to universal.page, uh, that's uh, where the website is right now, uh, you can see a little preview if you scroll down to how these pages can look like. They basically, uh, uh, you have the option to, to edit your universal profile or, create a new one uh, if you haven't had one yet. So you can upload your uh, your profile picture, uh, your name and your some description, maybe some links. And then the thing that I added is uh, like in the first version, it was just a very uh, simple idea, uh, adding basically one key to your universal profile that has uh, the theme or basically the template and then build an interface that uh, yeah allows you to select uh, one of the templates for your website. Um, so there, I believe there are like around seven or eight different templates and you can see a couple of previews on them on the, on the landing page. Um, uh, so yeah, then it will just, uh, yeah, update and deploy your universal profile, but based on this, uh, this new key, uh, we can fetch your data and then, uh, render a different template for your website. So you can, uh, you have the ability to, uh, choose a subdomain. So for example, jake.universal.page, but if you have a custom domain, um, you can also configure uh, your custom domain. So you can have jakeprince.com and then it would uh, render out your uh, your page. Um, so that, that was basically the idea. Uh, at this moment, I, I closed the editor because um, there were some, some bugs in it. I'm actually working on a new version. Um, so th the next step would be to not just have a couple of templates or a couple of, uh, a couple of uh, themes that you can pick, but actually have a lot more more settings. So you can already see in one of the screenshots on the landing page where you could have 
Uh, you can choose the background colors of the page yourself. Uh, you could choose uh, maybe the font family or the font size or actually allowing you to fully customize that, that card or that page of yours. And um, yeah, make it a, a lot more customizable. And I can also see a lot more features being added that, that like normal, let's say website builders uh, won't be able to add because this is just fetching data from a universal uh, profile. Uh, it could also allow you to, to show off your, your NFTs. And one of the things that I think is pretty cool um, is, is the fact that every developer can build upon the things that other developers are building as well. So uh, if you're creating a new application, um, you also have access to these values or you can have access to these values. So imagine that you're uh, signing up for a new application with your universal profile and your profile is already customized basically the same way that your universal page is customized, right? Because these things, uh, yeah, they can happen. And also if, an, if a, another developer decides to build like a following system, something like that, uh, maybe we can add that integration as well. So you have on your website a native following button um, uh, or a button to, to allow tips or any other kinds of asset sending. Basically, there are a lot of ways that you can add new integrations based on what other developers are going to build in universal profiles as well. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually interested in, in what other people are thinking about that. Like what, what kind of things could be possible if we, if you're all building new applications and yeah, integrating with, with, with other applications as well. Yeah. So I, can I, I, the first thing I'm struck with, like, I guess being a, a non-technical person, I look at this and there's an immediate analog to the Web2 space where many people in here have used Squarespace or Wix or, or Google Sites to customize and very quickly make a website, right? Um, and I think where identification stands as one of the pillars of, of Luxo, where now you are allowing the same level of customization, but for really um, a self-sovereign identification system where, you know, like I'm, I don't have to give my information out to anyone. I'm going to own what's behind it. Um, my my initial question right away, Jake, and, and I wanted to ask, get Fabian's take on this is like, uh, how, how do you see this extending upon universal profiles is like, uh, what's your take on on Jake's project here? Um, my opinion, um, I think what I really like is and I think that's, uh, I think what this shows is that this is a really like kind of really truly universal profiles because if you have a profile and now you can see there's different websites where it can be represented it all references the same core data set that really shows why is this different than like you know a facebook profile for example on facebook there's one facebook website there's not an open facebook api that you can like you know show your facebook profile everywhere right this is very restricted it's a very like you know it's all tr built to draw people back into Facebook. And here it's it's basically an open data set. It's an open standard sitting on a network and everybody can build, you know, whatever visual front end they want. You can load this into any kind of app you want. And I think this alone, just, you know, realizing this, that this profile now exists everywhere if you want to, if the developers build that in, that's already powerful in my opinion. And then comes the extensibility. I mean... There's a key value store in the smart contract and there can be millions of entries in your single profile if you want to. Uh, and that's another flexible way of you know, updating, changing your profile without having to change the code of the smart contract. And that ability to like, 
you know, add this kind of data, this key value store in there and then standardizing it, which is this LSP2 standard. Um, it's kind of like, you know, a, a standard that says, okay, if we already have a generic key value store, we need to now define of how we read and write things in there. And even the LSP2 standard is really in the beginning. So there can, will be plenty of things that can be added there to like standardize different ways, input fields and whatever. And that alone, like, is another building block of like making thousands of other standards possible. So if somebody wants to, you know, build a decentralized Twitter feed on top of Universal Profile, you know, it's just about coming up with how your tweet thing works and how do you reference it from your profile. Or if you want to add, you know, different kind of profile data, come up with a new standard and add some different kind of profile data. If you get traction behind that, like, it will be a thing. Um, you can reference anything from the profile. Um, including writing in assets that you receive to really be able to populate um, your your profiles page decentralized, right? I mean, just the fact if you want to today know from your profile, which is like people's keys, uh, if you want to know what you have, you have to go to Etherscan. You have to go to a tracing system, a centralized tracing system to figure out what tokens you own because none of this is readable from the state of your account. Um, you literally have to trust a third party telling you what you have. Um, and the way of how all of these standards work together, and there's actually 10 right now, <laughs> and they work in concert, including all of these token standards and so on, is that you can really truly create a decentralized profile where your profile itself, you can just read it from the state of the smart contract and you know whatever these people have, um, whatever. It could be a follower system you could build on that, that, that same thing as well. It could build all kinds of things. And um, it completely opens up new questions also because now it is in a way, um, how do you say this in English? <laughs> you have, you're basically free to choose if you, for example, add certain, for example, if you receive a token, you can write that into your profile. You can build, you can have your, your receiver, what's called a universal receiver delegate smart contract to write that into your profile that what assets you receive. But there's also people who could choose not to, right? Obviously, their profile would be less, less, you know, easy to read. And it would be also harder for themselves to keep track of what they have. But this kind of like, you know, free to choose of what people want to have really allows for more of a consensus driven, driven uh, standards involvement, right? People have to agree on what they think is a good way to do things. And the beauty is also, it's a very flexible system. So if, for example, um, you have your, your profile and you have already deployed it, you used it like since a year and now something new comes up, you can literally upgrade the way of how your profile works and now adopt something cool and new without that you have to change your profile address, right? Because it's so flexible already, this key value store, you just run through some kind of upgrade website, make a bunch of transactions and your thing will look new, <laughs> for example. And that kind of flexibility, having the smart contract logic plus having the flexibility, that will, I mean, I think it will take a little bit of time, I mean, months and years before people fully grasp all the potential what these standards now allow. But it's going to be very interesting to watch for people create. And I'm very excited to see that happen. Yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I think I, I heard you talking about really the power of protocolized data there, Fabian, and the fact that apps become really kind of just like a the D app becomes a viewport for what your blockchain account has, and and, it, and no longer is your data, um, I guess, held by the platform itself that you log into. Um, like Twitter holds all of our information. A decentralized Twitter would really just become a viewport through which we might be able to again 
load our universal profile into, and then whatever we choose to show there, we choose to show. Um, and in this context, uh, well, let me stop there. Is that kind of what I'm hearing there, Fabian? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, th the, the thing is, we have to do a, a bit of like a different, uh, I guess, understanding. So what is on a smart contract level, obviously, you know, once you put it on a blockchain, it's visible for everyone and it's going to be staying there, right? Um, you can make alterations, but in the past transaction, it happened and people will be able to know about that. But for example, what when you reference, for example, your profile data, like a, a pictures or whatever, I mean, you can literally choose even to store them wherever you want. I mean, you could technically store your, um, you could store your profile images on Google Drive if you want to, right? As long as Google Drive is, is pretty much fast loadable, like this will work well. You could store it on your home computer if your home computer can handle all the requests from your users that want to look at your profile. Or you can store this on a decentralized file service, you know, like IPFS or Swarm or Ava or whatever else. Um, that really then, like, the difference is if you sort on your Google Drive, which actually is a pretty great idea, and I think we're going to use it for the Universal Profiles uh, website. If you sort in Google Drive, um, you can literally like, delete that, you know, picture and that text, and your profile becomes, you know, again, pseudonymous, right? So now it's a random account that did stuff. You can see what it did on the blockchain, but you don't know anymore know who it is. Um, if you obviously put it in IPFS, you don't really have a lot of control over how long these data will still persist, right, and be be there for everybody to, to see. So this is kind of same with like a decentralized Twitter feed, right? It really depends on how the Twitter feed is built. If it's sitting on another blockchain or on Lux or whatever, which might be a bit expensive um, for a lot of tweets, um, it will be there forever. If it sits on whatever kind of like data storage system, you know, you could build up a Twitter feed system based on IPFS or Swarm, for example, then it has other properties. So it really depends on, you know, how you build these things and what kind of you know, advantages and disadvantages they give you, basically. But I think what's the most missing piece in the internet, and there's a lot of things and movements in the identity space, is that we are missing that root identity. We're missing that one place to go from where you find everything around a certain person. And right now, you know, like there's a person that likes Instagram, so you have to go to Instagram. The other person likes Twitter. But there's no real clear one place where you could find all of the other ideal, ideally it's protocols in the future, right? Not just centralized websites. Um, and I think that's what was holding back this whole identity movement we like haven't really seen. And there's also <laughs> a bit of, you know, a, a twist here, you know. I mean, ideally, we have super powerful private identities, but it really is hard to work with a public identity, right? I mean, there are two, you know, almost like opposite things. So if you want to be public, you can't be private at the same time. It doesn't really work, right? You can be public pseudonymous, right? Not revealing your real identity. That works well, Um but you can't be, you know, public your real identity and at the same time trying to be total private. That thing doesn't work, right? Yeah, okay. So, you know, um, the it, the depth of the power of these new flexible standards, I think, is something that everyone here is still trying to wrap their heads around. I think even for some of the developers that are up here on stage, um, from a, um, I mean, we're, we're moving into uncharted territory. Um, as, again, you're standard neighborhood non-technical person who's up here just trying to find ways to translate it to the community at large because it's really a rabbit. So many people are just trying to find ways to begin to wrap their heads around what's possible 
uh, taking it back to, to Universal Pages, uh, Jake, when I when I saw what you were doing with Universal Pages, my initial question that I had was like, could we actually add maybe um, could we add the ability to uh, turn that into almost like a Web3 storefront for for like a small creator? Right. They have their universal profile, but now they want to offer something. They want to sell something from the universal profile. They want to they want to offer um, some service some creation. I wonder, is that possible? I think a lot of people would love to know that. Well, that's actually something that's that's also uh, across my mind. Of course, for the for the hackathon, you need to uh, take a look at what you were able to build within three weeks. Uh, but actually, after three weeks, I was so much more excited uh, about all the tools. Um, I learned a lot more, and also. In terms of the documentation, Fabian already said that uh, they've been working on it for uh, uh, hard uh, the last couple of weeks. And uh, there's already so much more guides uh, right now uh, on how to use all the new tools, which makes me even more excited. So yeah, even things like, I mean, you could already like render your NFTs, for example, or your digital assets um pretty easily with the with these new tools so that could be something that could be added to as i said into the universal page and then yeah um the the ability to sell them or trade them um yeah of course that could also be built right so it's all um, i mean yeah technically anything could be built in smart contracts because there's also smart contracts but you know i mean i think what we uh, the approach we are taking is we want to standardize core pieces core pieces that are repeating and then are constantly being reused because the more it's almost like we're building a set of lego blocks right and then you can like combine them in all whatever way you want and you can even take a lego block and customize it <laughs> that's you know that's the power of of smart contracts um i mean concerning the storefront there's actually an idea that we're having that we are exploring um, is to create buyable NFTs. So it's a, obviously another standard that's, that will be uh, coming out of this. But you can basically make, make the, the, smart, the NFT smart contract itself having its own little marketplace built in. And if you have this, you know, you can take, take the universal page, load up your profile. It shows all of the NFTs you have and there can be a little buy button next to it. And whoever presses the buy button button could literally buy that NFT right from your page. And it doesn't require any extra exchange smart contract because it's literally built into the <laughs> into the token itself. Um, oh, wow. That's even and, crazy. That, that saves a lot of uh, building time by other developers. And, and yeah, and the idea is also in. that you can, add, you can add the address. So the, the website can basically, who adds the button there, can add its own little address to get the share of, of the sale. And also the people who literally created the NFT can also get a share of the sale because once you build that into the NFT itself, you can like do all of these royalty distributions automatically, um, right? And and that's completely like you know like it it literally like almost like out, out <laughs> it kicks out the middleman again, the other middleman, the marketplace middleman. So basically, any website could technically become a marketplace, and you know the more attractive it is with, uh, with their collection. Uh, you know, the more you can use it. But that's still something that needs to be fully fledged out and so on. And obviously, you know, doing things in smart contracts makes things, you know, technically more expensive, but it's it's totally doable. And this it's, it's almost like going to a toy store and giving the money to the toy and the to toy hops into your pocket. And I like that kind of analogy. <laughs> <laughs> that's and, great. 
Yeah, I, I wanted to jump on like the Lego blocks that you mentioned, Fabian. And I think uh, it was really nice for the hackathon to see our profiles on a different website. So, uh, and the project that Jake built and also Luxus Plastic was uh, one of, it was actually the first time we saw our profile on something else in a different product. And uh, it's really cool and it shows that uh, yeah, it doesn't rely on universalprofile.cloud, but the data is here and then anyone can just connect to it thanks to the standard. Uh, and the same thing I think will happen with the NFTs. Um, and uh, this is nice to see how, how it unfolds. I, I, I guess it was the same for you, maybe when you connected your UP to those projects. and like, oh, that's cool. That's my data, but on a different product. Uh, so that was nice to see I agree. Every time, um, I mean, obviously watching the YouTube videos are provided showing each one of these creators walking through their projects, I mean, gave me goosebumps because it was it was the first time that I think I really got to tangibly, on some tangible level, start to wrap my head or grasp onto the power of what's being built here. I mean, I, I think I knew, I think we all know something special is happening, but these use cases are tangible representations of what can come. And no matter how early we are, no matter how, how rough the documentation is, what has been produced has opened my eyes to what is coming. Um, and, and that's, I think, fantastic. And I think I'm speaking for most of the audience here. Um, and it's at this time that I, I want to transition now to the yields, the yields project, because the yields project is actually trading these tickets um, it's, it's a ticketing app, and, and I don't want to speak for the team here, so I don't know whether Vincent or Tim would like to kind of give us a quick little run-through. What was the Yields project? And, um, you know, we'll yeah. continue the conversation. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, basically, okay, just to describe what the Yields project was, um, we kind of just wanted to make, like I said earlier, like um, the initial idea was to kind of, do something around events and events event discoverability um and then we kind of thought well okay we could build something that where you could you know tickets ticketing is kind of um the actual kind of ticketing infrastructure that we have these days you have things like scalpers and all these kind of things where people buy a bunch of tickets and they'll kind of inflate the price and all this kind of stuff and then you have people kind of copying codes or you have these kind of strange secondhand marketplaces for tickets where they connect somehow connected to facebook and you have to <laughs> you have to have this sort of like you, you go to the facebook event and then you add that to this app and then it it will notify you if there are some tickets available and you have this strange interaction with a random person and then you have to hope that they send you a pdf that they haven't got a copy of um so there are these kind of things floating around around events and we Ticketing just seemed like a kind of, you know, a, a use case that fits this sort of, especially NFTs, really well because it gets rid of this sort of uh, the the fact that you know scalpers essentially like you can't you can't duplicate um, these tickets, um, and so that was the idea with having the QR code in there and having the QR code scanner, and um, yeah, we just thought it would be a really good use case to kind of showcase what. Um, could be done and also with the universal profile stuff that that gave us a lot of other ideas in terms of you know uh, who might be buying the ticket from you 
Um, and then other ideas when you maybe when you're creating the event, something that we didn't get around to in the hackathon itself was, you know, doing splits on an event. So like if you're an event organizer, um, you could have obviously you might have the promoter, you might have the venue, you might have somebody doing marketing, you might have some, you know, a bunch of people who are involved who are putting on those events. Those people could all have their own universal profiles. And then when you make the event, you can do some kind of split between the ticket. Obviously, we have the artists as well, right? Um, and so it's such a really good use case because, um, you know, you could see a whole kind of um, dashboard system for the income through these tickets and the splits on the tickets and the splits on the events. Um, and we just thought it was a real kind of compelling thing. Obviously, in the hackathon, we didn't get to build all of that stuff, but the um, we we kind of just tried to push uh, forward the sort of um, the, the simple use cases of you know selling a ticket um, or making an event and then buying a ticket from the event, uh, selling that ticket, and then creating another profile where you could go and buy um, a ticket from uh, from the marketplace. So we had this whole idea of a secondhand marketplace because you know when when tickets when events sell out it's kind of difficult like i said earlier to sort of find a place where you can legitimately get a decent ticket you know lots of people buy end up buying fake tickets and they get to an event and they you know they get duped or whatever and they've spent loads of money on these tickets and they can't get in and this kind of technology allows this to sort of be you know eradicated to some degree because also you can tie what we did in the demo is you can tie the the universal profile to the ticket and so you could have a load of you know information there so when somebody scans that ticket they see the person who bought it they can id them all of that kind of stuff so that's where we just thought there's lots of loads of compelling use cases uh, just around events and, and ticketing that um that we thought kind of we could build upon I don't know if I've done a good job of explain, <laughs> explaining it completely. Yeah, Tim, I think you're, you, you know, I, I put you on the spot. So like we're a bunch of, again, little tiny circles with our faces and or monkeys in them or something else, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, let's, let's all uh, be honest about what we have here. Uh, we're a bunch of voices and I think you did an excellent job in looking at the, what you built uh, immediately as, uh, as a small creator, I can see myself using that application, right? I think there's lots of people in this audience that can see themselves using that application. Um, and this is where, like, I'm going to take the question and I'm, I'm going to throw it back to the, the Luxo team that we have available today. And we're so lucky to have Hugo and Fabian is, is you know, can those tickets be um, NFTs themselves? And, and if that's the case, which I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the case, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll be yeah. honest. Are we talking LSP8s? Are we talking digital identifiable um, assets? Like w w what standard are we, we talking about using then for tickets? I mean, I don't know. Basically, what do, what do you guys used? I think Vincent would be best to answer that one because he, he did all the, the smart contract stuff. If Vincent is there. Is Vincent there? Uh, Vincent, I think, might have had an issue. Let me go hunt them down. Yeah, he's got um, those. The actually, all of the events are smart contracts, and then and then the tickets themselves are. I'm pretty certain they're all they're NFTs. Yeah, so they're all they're all unique um, yeah. tickets. Um, so, so basically, I um, there's Vincent. So they should actually be uh, NFTs themselves. So oh, which yeah. one LFPA do you say? Uh, sorry. 
which one did, which standard you meant uh the lsp8 i think it's called okay yeah yeah okay so maybe to explain that quickly so why do we have new token standards and so on uh and you know why do we give them new names because it's cool but um it's basically lsp7 is is literally erc20 like improved um and lsp8 is erc721 and a bit of 1155 improved And the reason why we made new standards is first because we could, you know, get rid of the, 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 the ballast and the bad things of the past. We could align these two token standards to be as alignable as possible. Um, we add new functionality like batch transfers, for example, to the, to the you know, 7 to 1 type of NFT. And these two standards literally allow multiple type of, of you know, tokens and NFTs, right? If you choose use LSP7, that's ERC20. It's just a token with an amount. But if you, for example, reduce the decimal points to zero of an of a token, you also get get uh, get some kind of an NFT. So, for example, if in your NFT smart contract, it's not important that each unit is specifically separate. For example, digital fashion. You know, I have I have a digital fashion item that's represented by one smart contract, and I kind of have a thousand units. It doesn't really matter if I have you know unit. 10,000 or 100, they're all the same, the exact same units, and they're not like aging, so they're also the same. <laughs> um, that allows me to make an NFT that's very cheap to transfer, very cheap to issue, and very cheap to transfer in bulk. When you want to have a unique NFT where each one have a unique NS uh, uh, ID, uh, which is LSP8, uh, then it's obviously, you know, you have the, the, the downside that is more difficult to issue because you have to issue them separately one by one and it's also more difficult to transfer them we have a transfer a batch transfer function but it's still more expensive than just transferring a number obviously um and also what we added is that the ids can be 32 bytes so they can be anything you know it can be a big number they can be you know a hex thing that can be something that's you know utf8 encoded so it could be also kslmb or whatever um, it could be serial number um, that makes this whole ID thing more flexible. And each each ID can also reference another smart contract if you want to make very you know, unique NFTs where each NFT has its own set of smart contracts or it's, it's its own whatever you know, standard that now, I mean, can be you know, having its own evolution. I mean, CryptoKitties is kind of like that, but here it's basically part of the standard and it's all like literally within these two standards like a lot of possibilities plus they have this flexible key value store again so metadata you can come up with all kinds of standards on top of these nfts in terms of what you write into the metadata how you read them out and what can be updated and whatnot so it just made this whole like nft thing far more flexible and i guess for tickets there's so much that could be just done on top of like these these standards and but i guess for tickets lsp7 would have been enough um, because you don't, it's really like tickets are not unique, you know, there's it's just, you have either you have one or you have 10, yeah, it doesn't need to be specific number so-and-so, except you want to apply seats to it, I guess, then maybe then a unique number might make sense, right? In the concert, I guess it's the same. You come in or you don't. So we're talking general admission, LSP7. If you're down in the, in the expensive seats, LSP8. <laughs> basically yeah if you want to if you want to group it into groups you know or if you want to literally assign seats probably lspa would be better if you just say okay you know you're coming to the stadium or not <laughs> it's just lsp7 will be cheaper to deploy and will be cheaper to transfer and uh also i want to add that here like uh 
again to go on those Lego blocks. Um, we didn't talk about the permission yet. Uh, that's something uh, the team has been working on. The key manager, and in that context of tickets, uh, we could have the promoter identity who issue uh, those NFTs and also give specific permissions to uh, someone who will sell them. And we could have this uh, fine access to this NFT, who can mm. do what, which identity can do what. Um, yeah. And it's like, you know, approve when you want to do a, sw a swap, you, you approve, but much more granular than that. You want to call that function or you want to do this, you want to sign on the behalf of someone or uh, you want to execute on that contract. And I think this this is also extremely powerful. Um, and uh, it's, it's like another Lego block, you know, that, that can mm -hmm. be plugged into this system. Yeah, yeah so amazing. Like, sorry, like an authorized reseller, you could effectively give access the ability to transfer that NFT, yeah, where exactly. someone who got a hold of it otherwise would not be able to resell or transfer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that exactly. actually is possible. That's, that's actually doable through the operator. Uh, stuff, but that's also existing current standards. You know, you could have an operator, and that could like you know transfer on behalf of other people. But I think like what's what's really makes these standards also different, besides that we cleaned them up, you know, and added uh, better better features, is that they are really they are built to work with universal profiles. For example, if you transfer this from one universal profile to another, which is the default way of how you would transfer stuff around. That other profile gets notified, and the other profile has now the ability to write that it received this this token contract into its own profile, and that's exactly what makes first off your profile be able to know what it got, and you can read that. But also, you could even like you know you could customize your universal receiver delegate, so the 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 contract that receives stuff and you can say, okay, if I receive this kind of token, I put it in this vault. If I receive that kind of token, I put it in this vault. Some I reject. You could look, have all kind of complex logic of how you treat incoming tokens. And also, I mean, I guess, I'm not sure if you have tried it out, but you know, if you want to send a token to a smart contract, that that's pretty complicated. Mostly you have to do some two calls, you know, you have to transfer, you have to allow that smart contract and then you have to call that smart contract to pull in that token and stuff like this. Um, it's kind of like a legacy of ERC20 and that's all fixed. So now you can build a smart contract, be it a DEX or be it whatever, that can react to incoming tokens because these tokens by default notify or try to call the universal receiver and try to, you know, notify the other smart contract. And that's something uh, that, you know, it hasn't been kind of missing in ERC20. It has been added to other standards. The problem here is everybody came up with their own custom function, which makes it not universal. <laughs> that means if I want to now have a universal profile, I have to now like be able to add functions in the future because every asset comes up with its new own function that I want to call. That's obviously not possible. That's exactly what this universal receiver thing uh, solves. So, um, really like brings a lot of flexibility, brings this transparency, brings this ability that assets can inform each other, that profits can act on them and so on and so on. Maybe that's all a bit too technical speak, but maybe we should simplify it and try to show a bit. <laughs> no, it's okay. I think what, what people hear, Fabian, is that you're passionate. You're very passionate about what you're building and that passion is what translates. Um, you know, you see a need and you're trying to fit it. And I think uh, getting back to the Legos, I mean, 
not everybody knows how to um, injection mold a Lego, but they know once they have the Legos, how to snap them together. And people get very creative and build things. And what you're providing us are these amazing Legos that we'll be able to snap together to build things that, honestly, many people haven't even conceived of yet. And I think that's the beauty of this space. And I think that's the beauty of what I saw from each one of these participants. And Vincent, I, I hope that maybe you kind of found that feeling playing around with these new Legos. Is that kind of the experience you had? Did you have some fun playing around with these new pieces? I mean, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, this being the first crypto project, it was it was very interesting to see what, what could be done, not only with a smart contract in itself, I wonder if we just had Twitter with a quick rug there on Vincent. I yeah, I think Vincent's having, um, I think his uh, his Twitter uh, keeps on crashing on his phone, I think. So I think that's probably what, what, what might have happened. Okay, well, Timmy, let me let me ask you then. Where do you see this ticketing application going in the future? Like, what kind of future yeah. development direction do you see with your uh, primitive? I mean, there's so many different places we could go with it. I mean, I was looking at... Um, other kind of competition out there there's quite a big one which is called like guts tickets which i think is based on polygon they're more like like white label ticketing infrastructure but um i guess it depends really we could either focus on ticket infrastructure or you could focus on events and how events are kind of created and how they're you know managed um and i think the one thing that i think uh, both fabian and hugo um mentioned earlier on was this sort of you know the thing that's powerful with the with the with the with the profiles is is kind of um allowing other people to manage parts of the event for example like because we built this sort of scanner app right where you could scan so like maybe certain people can only have access to that they have to kind of log in with their universal profile and they have certain privileges and so on and they and you can you know that was something that we kind of thought would be pretty powerful and also all of the splitting like i mentioned earlier the splitting of how people get paid uh, from an event so that was something we didn't do in the in the in the uh, uh, hackathon that we uh, that we wanted to kind of build upon but we're kind of going to go away and sort of think about how we can develop it more there's lots of stuff like um that we talked about about doing stuff in in at an event so maybe what could happen is obviously all the tickets are nfts um, maybe the organizer of the event could basically say like a percentage of it, of those tickets gets come, some kind of special content at a certain point at the event uh, that can then get triggered by the artist when they're when something's happening at the event right and so they all get airdropped these kind of I don't know some kind of nfts or whether that could be in some kind of AR um, content that then they can then use when the event is happening. So there's loads of these kind of stuff that we're thinking about, um, but yeah, nothing, nothing solid at the moment. It's just, it's just quite a lot in the in the space. <laughs> you know, you've got ticket infrastructure, you've got like events, and all of the administration tools and all that kind of stuff around it. Yeah, what's interesting, um, if if Timmy, uh, just if I can interject, because I'm, I'm yeah. looking down and I see Teflon Sega just down below, and I, I know we have a musical artist there, and. I feel like through your application and through these standards and really from what blockchain in general enables, it allows a creator to have direct access to their supporters. But now totally. yeah. in a live event, right? Like you're saying, uh, when people are actually walking into the venue, they're going to, you know, um, in a, in a concert, maybe that's an AR experience. If it was a sporting event, 
exactly. uh, you may be able to play fantasy games based upon your ticketing or what, whatever you have. Um, you know, the, the use cases are incredibly flexible, and I think that that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I think the the AR stuff is something that we think is really, really interesting just because, you know, like that mix of, you know, you, when you go to get, when you go to shows, I mean, I'm not a massive fan of it. When you go to shows, people have already got their phones out and they're already videoing everything, right? You see all this sea of mobile phones and you just kind of think, well, that that could, you know, on that mobile phone could also be an AR experience, right? That That, that is unique to a set group of people who might have bought you know, the lucky ticket, you know, like there's like 10% of tickets that get this special AR content, you know. So there's lots of stuff like that that we were kind of playing around with and thinking about how we could do it. And the ticketing side which is is obviously very interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. There's so many, <laughs> there's so many different um, use cases we could, we could follow with it. And so we, at the moment, we're just kind of trying to simmer them down into something that, that uh, we think we can achieve. But yeah, definitely yeah, cool. want to, uh, to to expand on it for sure. Yeah, cool. So I I would say just right here, I want to just ask the panel, um, you know, Anthony or Jake or Alts or Connor, you know, just hearing about this, you know, we all live in the meat space. Many of us are, we love to attend events. Um, in a moment, we're going to turn it over to more of a metaverse eye with Anthony and the Nomad Protocol. Um, but mm -hmm. I do know that we do hang out in VR a lot and VR ticketing is something that is coming as well. You know, mm -hmm. like, what do we think is going to, what do you see? Like what, what kind of interesting questions do you have? Jake, Anthony, Connor, Alts. Um, well, so personally, like I get, I get really excited, like thinking, like talking about AR and VR integration, kind of melding that with tickets. And I think further beyond that, like I get, I'm really curious about what kind of provenance or social tokens or fan or fan interactions, like, with with these new standards like the customization it, it feels like it's it's a much more expansive like technology and i'm really excited i'm kind of curious what everyone's thoughts on how it will continue to evolve like allowing fans to you know interact with their celebrities and, and stuff like in a much more customizable way yeah does anyone have any any thoughts about that because i mean i realize Again, this is the blockchain empowering experiences that that don't exist currently, or possibilities that don't exist currently. David, maybe when I can add to this, I mean, the thing is, in if you think about it, like the, the, with the current way of how we interact with blockchain, you can't easily take it into the metaverse. Like, I mean, how would that experience to look like, right? So you have your MetaMask, and then you have like another wallet in a game, right? And if you want to take your ticket, for example, into the game to prove that you have a ticket, you would have to transfer your ticket to that game wallet, right? And that's how you would then be inside the game, running around with your ticket and can somehow, you know, attend events. That's obviously not a at all nice way or easy way of how you do that. This universe profile standard like completely like solves that because what you can do is you can have the game generate its key when you log into the game, you scan a QR code, it says, hey, can I add this key to your profile? And you say, sure, you can add it, but I restrict it to a certain vault, so you cannot do any, like, you know, don't see my stuff or whatever. And then you have your profile. You have the game being able to control your profile in a limited manner uh, and prove that, obviously, you own the profile because you could add that key inside the game. So you can be in the game, being yourself, being your profile, acting as your profile, 
for example, through that vault. And the game can also, uh, you know, read whatever you have and then like let you in or based on whatever tickets you have on your profile already. So that allows you to literally take your universal profile into these different games and literally interact in these games, buy, sell, do whatever you would do on blockchain uh, without that you have to, you know, like do complex import exporting and asset transfers before. And uh, I mean, that's more like, again, a technical thing, <laughs> I guess. But I mean, once you understand that, uh, as a blockchain developer, you understand that this is, this is the standard is essential, you know, to make any metaverse thing happen right in the first place. It's going to be literally for people scan a QR code and hope you're in that metaverse as yourself. And we have also we're also working on a 3D pipeline to create a 3D avatar so basically and others can build their own 3D avatar system. And if you attach your 3D avatar to your profile you can literally go into a game, you know, show up as yourself or show up as the avatar you already have. Um if you then attach you know digital clothes to it. I mean this can go really big. And then you literally walk into the metaverse, into different spaces as yourself, you know, with your wardrobe that you already have or uh, bought together, and that makes this whole metaverse thing a thing in the first place, I guess. That's, that's great. I, I was actually had a question I was going to ask about that about three D avatars. So that's something that you're 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 working as a towards as a an additional standard um, for the profiles. So the thing is, I mean, adding any kind of 3D avatar to a profile is not really hard. I mean, you just define some kind of key and you say, this is how, you know, these avatars are referenced. Mm. That's a standard that, you know, we can all come up with in a day if you want to. Um, the hard thing is, sadly, the whole 3D space is pretty fragmented, right? So you mm. have, like, different kind of 3D models. Then you have, like, you know, different game engines like Unity, da-da-da. They all have different rigs. So how, you know, how you move these 3D models. And um, it's a bit tricky to do kind of like uh, you know you have to even standardize this <laughs> or try to unify it i mean what likely will happen is you have a 3d avatar that you have in five different versions referenced from your profile and the game picks whatever it can interact with uh, the best so we are building a 3d pipeline others can build a 3d pipeline obviously these things need to you know be open source and and uh, at some point we converge but you know the nice thing about universal profiles anybody can add whatever 3d avatar system in the future comes up to their profile, and then whatever which one succeeds, uh, you know, will be the the thing people use. We just build one to showcase how, it, like, what could be one way of doing it, right? But this is also just a showcase, basically. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you know, as I sit here and I think about all the times I spend in VR chat, running around with Alt Anonymous or Kriegel or Selby or some of the other people that are in the chat that we hang out in VR. Um, raising hell, really driving around uh, the mystery machine some days, which was which was an absolute blast. Um, I just think of how much the world is going to change. It's already here, but how much it's going to change in a short amount of time. And the average person just really doesn't understand that it, it's already the wave is already crashing on the shore. It just maybe you're not wet yet, if that kind of metaphor makes sense. Um, so. I think what I, what I want to do now, because I haven't heard much from Anthony, but this brings us to the third and really final project that we wanted to kind of touch on here. And I want to thank Jake and, and Tim for the time they spent with us and Vincent as well. Um, but Anthony's here from the Nomad Protocol. And if you're not familiar with the Nomad Protocol, uh, we started to bridge this conversation towards gaming. And I think all of us have seen or, or, or at least vaguely aware of Ready Player One and this idea that you can bring assets cross-platform in gaming. 
And I always think it'd be super interesting, right? If my daughter, who is a Minecraft junkie, could take her, you know, diamond sword, enchanted diamond sword, bring it to another game and have it rendered there and she could use it. And when that asset lives in that game, well, if she loses it or dies or something happens, then it stays there. And I think that that was something that uh, the Nomad Protocol was kind of it, uh, starting to explore. And I thought that was super interesting. So, Anthony, um, stage is yours, man. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, was, uh, I almost jumped in a couple of times just because it was so perfectly se- segueing into uh, the Nomad Protocol and uh, what made us think about it. And it's such a shame that Dan isn't here because he's the real brains behind this. He did all of the development. This is, this is his kind of brainchild. And he would have loved the conversations going on. But uh, it gets me so excited hearing everyone talking about uh, this, this kind of protocol because that was exactly our thought process. That, you know, metaverse becoming a reality. People creating experiences that will hopefully kind of coexist in one place, more or less. People are buying an that are ranging from fashion to, you know, uh, to video game weapons or things of that nature. How do you then combine all of that? There's no protocol that can do that currently necessarily. Uh, that kind of is what spawned the idea of Nomad, knowing that we could develop hopefully one of the first and <laughs> and and best implemented protocols for transferring digital assets or uh, really NFTs across the metaverse. And our thought of how to do that would be to have basically our own experience where you can load up your universal profile, see everything that you own, see where it currently lives, quote unquote, and then pick the different experiences that are connected into the Nomad protocol and transfer it from one experience to another. Uh, Getting into the weeds of it, we were uh, dabbling with the idea of having a fee structure behind it so there's incentive for people to work together uh, so that people, when they want to transfer, you know, that sparkly sword or whatever from one game to another, uh, they would pay a small fee. It would get distributed uh, according to how the two experiences or games really uh, agree to split that. And that user gets that amazing experience of seeing what they were using in one game transferred visually, also the stats, all those things to another game and being able to use that perhaps you know, continuing a storyline or something of that nature. I mean, it, the possibilities are really endless. We really thought of gaming as the first place that this is immediately applicable, but it could be for really anything. I mean, say you just want to show off your cool NFTs, you know, someone can make a museum experience on Metaverse connected to Nomad and people can transfer, you know, their uh, cool images over there and showcase what they purchased recently. You know, you could have a skin for your avatar that you want to transfer from one uh, experience to another experience. But uh, I, I think you hit the nail on the head when we talked about gaming because it's just so so immediately clear what you can do with it and how different games can collaborate. And our immediate thought was to really get indie developers into this space uh, so that they can build a really cool experience on a budding platform that they would perhaps be really interested in trying out, working together in a collaborative fashion, which perhaps wasn't really incentivized before in the other platforms that they develop on, and really kind of get this going. I mean, it's uh, it's been a really exciting few weeks when we were working on it for the hackathon, and uh, 
we have so many ideas of where this can go and what we want to focus on. And that was one of the main reasons why we wanted to make sure we had uh, someone here to join this, join this Twitter space so that we could hear some feedback from everyone and uh, see how you like it, like the idea and uh, where you guys see it potentially going. Cause we would love to continue to build this out. I mean, I would like to add one thing as when one thing I love why I really liked it when I saw it is um, actually the, the whole idea is basically if you have a 3d, digital fashion piece for example or you have a 3d avatar obviously that should ideally in the future come with multiple versions right there's maybe the the minecraft blocky version of that avatar there's the like comic style avatar version of it and then there's the hyper realistic version of the same avatar so if you're building either a digital fashion piece or you're building an avatar you want to come up with these different versions because then games can literally based again on a standard way of describing it pick which type of the that's item they want to use because it fits to their game style but what i really like about your protocol and this was really like you know um like ringing that that bell when i saw what you guys are doing um and what i also like is this this, this idea of incentivizing different games to collaborate and the one problem is and it's also why i like digital fashion a lot is it's really hard when you have a game and you have game items to make any other game want your stuff because why would they, right? Like it, it's it's the sort of one game. Exactly. Another game. So, but if you incentivize them, that there's some kind of like incentive structure to make them want to collaborate. And I really like this idea about like you know moving forward different stories. You know, you can say have the sword has has a certain story attached to it, and that you know when you bring it to the other game, suddenly unlocks a bunch of stuff in the other game. You literally like you know, make crossing worlds almost like dimensions possible. Um, but at the same time, uh, um. It's it's the looks of the items really, and, and 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 these kind of things that we need to standardize. We need to have like you know, different versions of it, and um, there's not that many type of looks in games, right? There's hyper realistic, there's comic style, and there's now blocky style, and I mean, maybe it's two others, um, but they're roughly fitting in a few boxes, right? And if we standardize this, items will live a lot. And the whole thing with digital fashion is it's nice because it's outside of games first. If you have people that have, uh, you know, their own avatar, whatever they pick, but they can dress it up with clothes they already bought somewhere else, maybe to just wear it in AR. Uh, and it's actually like real brands, obviously, hopefully the cool brands like Artifact and not like the old brands necessarily. But, um, you know, if these if people wear these kind of brands, um, there's a lot of interest for any of these games to want to have those users with their clothes in them. So that's why digital fashion is an easier in into games than making one sword go from one game to the other, right? But at least this brings this kind of new experience that you can bring where, you know, swords and whatever other pieces or type of pieces have different effects in different games and you can, like, create a cross-collaboration between different worlds. And especially when we talk about the metaverse, you know, it's not just about game ABC, but, like, social spaces that you have, you want to have this kind of trans transportability on one hand, but also maybe the kind of experiences that go with it. There are so many people in this audience that have probably never wandered around the VR world uh, <laughs> and, and, and felt the power of being 20 feet tall or, or being able to shoot lasers out of your eyes. But once you do it once, you'll understand all of the power behind what you just described and why it's so important. I fully agree. I mean, I think also, I mean, I have spent like a few years already with VR and 
I mean, there's extreme gamers that have spent thousands and thousands of hours. I have only spent a thousand hours, but uh, over a few years, in fact, you know, others do this in months. Um, but yeah, exactly what you say. It's like once you are in VR, you you understand that metaverse. It's not another screen game that you play. It's you step into the game. And being able to immerse yourself in a 3D environment and either it's with other people that can be super funny. I haven't spent a lot of time in VR chat, but I have spent it in more other games. But or even if you play a single player game in a world that's very complex uh, in VR, I mean, it you literally like you start dreaming about that, like as it is your real life. It's it's absolutely brain like freaking immersive uh, this, this already. And this is really early. So. That's, you know, that's stepping into the games. Very different than, like, watching videos or, like, playing a game on a flat screen. And that's for that we need, you know, obviously being able to take ourselves, take our stuff, because there's different worlds, right? And you want to be the same person if you want to in all of them, or maybe five different type of persons. Yeah, and, and what I, I'm going to take the moment here just to reiterate, because some people have probably clicked into the, the Medium post from, from Luxo, and have even probably looked at some of the screenshots for um, the protocols that we've been talking about here and the applications we've been talking about. And I need to stress, these are primitives, right? These are base layer primitives that will only get more advanced from this point forward. So, uh, you know, you may look in and see, wow, that's a, an 8-bit game. I've seen many of those before. Well, what, something like the Nomad, Pro, Nomad Protocol really aims to be underpinning these types of VR experiences, these massive metaverse experiences. And you have to allow your brain not, not to be stuck in the present moment or even in the past, because so many of us live just in the past, right? We think past events are going to somehow predict future events. And, and that is not the way that it is. There's an informational asymmetry going on in the world right now. Um, and it, not enough people are aware of this bleeding edge of technology. And I really appreciate the developers in this space, uh, the designers in this space who are taking the time to explore, bravely explore these new frontiers. Anthony, I thought the Nomad Protocol was absolutely fantastic. Um, that was the one that I could see right away. I could explain it to my daughter. She got it. Um, and that's not to say, you know, Jake and Tim and Vincent, that I couldn't explain those to my daughters, but like they play with those types of environments now. What the Nomad Protocol was, was like an experience that is you know, what we watch in movies, right? It, it, it's what we hope will someday come in the future when there are flying cars, but it's here now. It's here right now with people like yourself building it. Yeah, bringing up Ready Player One was uh, was great because that was obviously one of our inspirations. I, I mean, that kind of world is everyone's you know, dream. And then hearing Fabian describe his vision of it, you know, and it completely matching up, I, I think you're very spot on that. As soon as you're introduced to this idea, you just immediately get it, and then everyone has a slightly different version of it. You know that that uh, that really just kind of is molded by your own personal experiences, but it's all the same, and it just shows how widely it can span. And uh, <laughs> hopefully, we'll get there. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so I'm at this point. Um, you know, we've got. Uh, eight people on stage uh, you know we've been going for about an hour and 20 minutes i think we'll spend probably another 10 minutes or so here i know it's getting a little late in europe and uh, i don't want to keep people awake all night but let's open the floor here for just some random questions because i've been kind of steering this conversation around uh 
And and before I, I fully turn it over, I want to take the opportunity to thank you from the bottom of my heart to be open and brave enough to just come join us here in Twitter today, whether you're a listener or you're a speaker. Um, again, it's a small community, but it's a mighty community. And we really do believe in the vision that was put forward in the white paper uh, for Luxo. Uh, we're fully supportive of what's being done. Um, and we're on this journey together. And in order for this journey to reach its really beautiful end, that, that end of the road that we dream about, uh, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, it's going to require lots of people, lots of people willing to invest their time, willing to invest their energy, uh, willing to have conversations, um, because that's where network effect comes, right? Network effect comes from the symbiotic relationship of recirculating ideas between people who are interested. So again, I'm just taking that time to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for every person who's participated in this space today. And for the next 10 minutes, let's just see where this conversation goes. I mean, it's pretty much open floor. So wherever you have to say, whatever you want to say, knock yourself out. Not all at once. <laughs> no. So, I mean, it's my mind is racing with everything that we've been talking about because like you said, we've just been scratching the surface um, on all this stuff and we know kind of where it's headed and, and just our imaginations can run rampant. I mean, but being personally like that, I really want to be able to bring my avatars, my digital wardrobe, my tokens, my NFTs, my reputation, my identity. I want to have them with me, have control over those and take them anywhere in the metaverse that I want to go. And, and that's what universal profiles is all about. Um, I mean, we know like Ready Player One, like we talk about it a lot, like that's where the space is headed. And, you know, it's going to be a combination of value and, and reputation. And, and these things are going to represent ourselves. I believe that they, they're they a better representation of my own personality, my style, my values, you know, than what's capable in the real world. And, you know, it's like being able to merge these things together through a universal profile and to organically get with like-minded people that are progressive and positive and kind of help build and shape the direction, you know, it's really exciting. And, and, and like I said, like echoing what Ethel Lauren said, just thank you each and every one of you guys and girls for, for joining us and, and being a part of this like kind of new, you know, evolution. God, you got anything to say here? I know uh, you're a very deep thinker. I know you're a very intelligent man. So I'm just wondering what your take is after listening for about an hour and 20 minutes here. Yeah, I, I mean, wow. If there was, I, I kind of wish there was a mind blown emoji in this Twitter spaces, um, but we don't have one of those. So we just use fist bumps in 100s for the closest thing to that. Um, but no, I mean, honestly, like everything that everyone's been saying um, has been fantastic. Um, just kind of circling back conversation and some things about about that whole experience being like extremely immersive yeah for like people that haven't really tried that like it was mentioned about dreaming in vr like i think this really happens because that that sort of environment is like so much more immersive and engaging of the senses that that like a 2d just a screen just cannot tap into and we have better memory of events that happen in vr because of that so where we're headed with that in the future is it is the future. So that, that just gets me really excited and seeing, seeing things like nomad, like working on those bridges and Fabian, you talking about like a bridge being built for like VR avatars. Like 
whether those, those things are developed, whoever the developers are developing those bridges, those bridges, I think, will all all happen pretty quickly. Um, we just we just need some games on board with with that. Um, so looking forward to seeing where those things go in the future. Yeah, thanks, Connor. I appreciate that. Oh, go ahead, Bill. Go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, Ethan, Lauren, I just want to also say thank you for hosting this and you're doing a really great job here uh, uh, running the running the, the show, basically. Um, thanks for, for doing this. Really a nice, amazing uh, little talk here. Got some hundred-something people together. Um, I mean, you're doing a great job. Thanks for that. Oh, well, well, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. You know, um, I think a long time ago... <laughs> I say a long time ago, it wasn't that long ago. Let's call it about a calendar year ago. Uh, you know, people were asking about marketing and Luxo. And I said, you know what? There's no reason for a marketing. Marketing is really network effect. The network effect comes from people being interested enough and brave enough to have conversations. And that's all I wanted to help facilitate today is just having conversations with one another. And I hope that we can continue to do that moving forward. Um, you know, there's so many brave people out there. And I use brave because it, it, you have to be brave to be a leader because you're stepping out and you're risking. You're risking um, not reaching the goal that you may have set for yourself. But what you do along the way is you learn. You learn about yourself. You learn about the people that you're on the journey with. And I know I speak for myself and Alts and, and Kriegel and everyone else um, that, that's involved with, you know, the space is labeled keys. And, and what we're really trying to do is facilitate more of these conversations. We're trying to take more people into this conversation so we can really broaden out the scope of these conversations uh, because we're going to need a lot of people talking to, to help you and the team at Luxo fulfill the larger dream of, of building this large um, network with real positive network effect. Um, so that's why when you had the hackathon and I saw what Jake produced and what Tim and Vincent produced and what Anthony produced, it really just made me feel like something needed to be done. And uh, there was a group of us and and we're rabid and, and we're going to keep this going because uh, as long as you're willing to keep having the conversation with us, um, that goes for everybody here. I, I'd love to keep having it. So again, thank you. Thank you for the, for the, uh, I guess the shout out, but um, this is passionate, a passion project on my end as well. Uh, absolutely. So, I mean, I'm also happy to join these kind of spaces, uh, as, as my time allows it, um, like, you know, whenever I can, because there's, like, still so much uh, information to be translated, basically. I mean, there's, like, so many things going on and so many things being built. And, I mean, also, I guess maybe more developer-focused ground at some point would be also cool to have, really, whereas they can ask, you know, the questions about certain things of how they work and why they work that way. Um, things like this definitely very useful. And I really appreciate the effort from the community because... I'm a strong believer in grassroots uh, growth. I mean, you can hype whatever projects you want, but you know, if you hype something, it's like you blow up a balloon, right? If there's no solidity, I mean, if it's not solid inside, you know, the air goes out, the balloon is as big as it was before. Um, if you build something from the ground up and it has real natural growth, it actually stays at that size. And we have seen that in Ethereum. I have been part, you know, of the Ethereum growth since the beginning. I have seen that happening once. Lots of projects tried to copy it and they never ended anywhere there because to try to you know, somehow artificially pump this up and create like some artificial growth. 
you can't do it, right? On the end, you always fall back down to the fundament and the basics. And if there is no basic, it does fall nowhere. Um, so I rather grow slow but real and steady than growing like fast and then don't fall back and disappear. Um, so that's my opinion. So I really appreciate your effort here. Yeah, and, and hopefully we can collaborate to get more of those different levels of talks going um, because you're you're absolutely right. The, these discussions need to have happen at all levels, whether it be uh, at the high end technical level or down at the base level, translating um, what is happening to the non-technical user that just wants to embrace it. So I, I would actually reverse that. I would say high level is like translating, low level is tech. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, because again, I'm a non-technical person. I'm a smart person, but I'm just trying to figure it out on my end. Yeah, uh, well, I also want to say thanks, Ethereum, when you sent a message last week uh, with this. I was like, wow, that's super cool. Thank you very much. And also thanks to everyone who just take the energy to go look at the docs and the tech and see what can be done with that. And uh, it's it's really, really super cool to see stuff being built. And um, we always love to answer the tech question on our Discord. <laughs> so if you ask a tech question, someone will answer super fast because we love those questions. And it allows us to adapt as well. And uh, check docs.luxo.tech where we add content daily. And uh, that's, uh, I think it's, <laughs> once you get in, it's, it's, so, like, it's so amazing. Uh, so hopefully uh, that's content you would like to read as well. But thank you, everyone. Super cool. Thanks, Hugo. Uh, Jake, do you, do you have anything left to say here at the end? Uh, thank you for sticking out this whole time. I really appreciate you joining us today. Yeah, thank you for organizing. It's really, uh, really cool to see this uh, engaging community. Uh, I also want to give some thanks to, uh, to Hugo as well, because he's been answering a lot of questions to, to me lately on the Discord. So uh, super cool uh, to see the docs also involved. There are some super handy guides. Um, yeah, it really really helps onboarding to have these, these great tools and making it super developer friendly. Um, especially as a, as a front-end developer, when you're relatively new to the Web3 space, it's so helpful to have great tools to get you, get you started. Um, if there are any front-end developers listening right now, I actually launched the Luxor Next Year Starter Kit that kind of gets you going a lot more quickly. So I've been following a couple of those guys that we have on the, on the docs. Um, uh, all, all these these things are basically in there. So a, a lot of helper functions that, for example, fetch all the permissions of a profile or adding new uh, addresses to the permissions array, things like that. So if you want to check it out, I'm I'm going to share the link in the Discord or in Twitter as well for more. Uh, yeah, front end developer uh, uh, people. Uh, it can be a, a nice introduction uh, to some of the things that uh, the Luxo team has been building. So super cool. Yeah, please do that so we can get that out to the community. I know we have lots and lots of people asking how they can get started, where some resources are. I, I, don't, I just don't think um, we have enough of those out there. So thank you so much, Jake. I appreciate that. And I, I'm sure the team does as well. Um, Tim, do you have anything to say at the end here? I um, just want to say a really big thanks to everybody involved in organizing it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's great to see all the other submissions. Um, we feel really yeah super proud to obviously have won the thing i mean yeah um it was great taking part and uh it's been great to chat to everybody we've got, we've got so many um 
loads of other questions, but I don't know whether it, we, <laughs> this is the forum to to ask them. So I think it would um, it would be great to connect with people after after this uh, with more sort of specific questions and stuff. But yeah, thank you so much for organizing. It's great. It's been great listening to everything. Yeah. And like I said, we're going to, I'll do my best. And and I know um, the co-host on the stage, Alton Kriegel, as well as our rabid community that's listening down below, we will continue to find pathways to facilitate these discussions um, until it gets enough momentum that you just don't need me anymore. And then I can just be a smiling ape with, with, with uh, diamond teeth. Um, So (laughs) uh, Kriegel. Do you have uh, you have any last words for us, or you good? Uh, thank you again. I mean, thank you, Ethel Lauren, for for hosting this. You've done a fantastic job. Um, but yeah, thank you to Hugo, Fabian, Timothy, Anthony, Jake, Vincent. Um, yeah, I really appreciate all your guys' time. Um, just spending time sharing with the community your your projects, your journey, um, and what you're working on it's it's exciting stuff and it, it gets me excited so looking forward to seeing where all these projects go and what we talk about next and the inimitable alt anonymous what do you got for me man i know you're in vegas right now <laughs> i am but this is this is actually much more exciting in vegas um yeah i mean I, i'm just gonna spend the next like week just sitting with all this alpha that that everyone's all these perspectives, you know, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it, this has been great. I'm, I'm really excited for the next one. And Fabian, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and everyone who talked about your, your projects. Like I said, rabbit is a good word for this Luxo community because we're hungry and, and we're just, we're now starting to figure out how to like coalesce and merge our efforts, you know? So we're going to be doing some amazing things, you know, moving forward. Fantastic. All right. On that note, uh, I, the one last thing I'm going to say, and all right, Fabian, I'm going to put you on the spot here. When can we hang out in VR? I know you're a pretty busy guy, but maybe we could play a game of Onward sometime. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> so the last like few months, I actually haven't uh, spent a lot of time in VR. I mean, there was literally no time for that. Um, and I do really like, you know, we, I think we have this Wolf VR, whatever, Telegram group. I haven't, I mean, it hasn't happened yet. But I'm definitely down for a round of onward. Um, I mean, I have been trying it lately again. Uh, yeah, definitely. Let's do that. You know, I'm down for that. It's all a question of timing, really. I know it's not like you have anything going on. You sit around twiddling your thumbs all day, just looking for something to do. Yeah, I'm reading all the all the community messages all the time. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what you're doing. All right, wonderful. All right, well, thank you everyone for tuning in. On that note, hour and thirty five minutes. Um, if you're still in here, spread the word, uh, the space has been recorded. So pass it along to your friends, your neighbors, your relatives, anyone who's really interested in what's going on in the Luxo space, because I think today, um, you got a nice little insight into the primitives that are being built and some of the personalities that are building them. So thanks again, everyone. And, uh, stay safe. Enjoy the rest of your weekend or weekend. It's really weak. I'm all off, but enjoy your week and uh, we'll talk soon. All right. Take care, everyone. Thank you, everybody. Amazing. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Thank you, guys.